I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The directions to the range will never include staying on the beaten path. It's head noon for Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct to shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and you have not done so before, please take 45 whole seconds of your time. Go leave a five-star rating. Go leave a wonderful review. My heart will be appropriately warmed. Today is the 258th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You know the story you're told must be right because the media understands its audience. Very important people who think of themselves as busy and influential. And the media would never dare to steer such influential people down the wrong path. Except... The thing is, you always just believe their first story and then you never consider another story. And unfortunately, the media's first story is always wrong. And it is intentionally wrong because they are not remotely interested in telling you the truth. They are exploiting the fact that you imagine yourself to be extremely busy and extremely influential. They tell you, you don't have time to figure this out. We got this. Don't worry. We're going to give you a story and then you will believe it forever because there's no way to stop believing it. All of your friends believe it and none of you know anything. Right? Remember? Remember how Trump colluded with Russia? That was crazy. Remember how he said that neo-Nazis were very fine people? What was he thinking? Like, I can't believe anybody still supported him after that. Like, didn't they listen to him say that? Didn't they listen to only that very tiny part of the speech, but not the rest of the sentence to know that that's not what he said? And everybody knows that masks don't work and then masks do work and then two masks are better and then three is probably better than two, but two is better than one and two, eh, 
Might be as good as three. The one we can never take off, though, because the vaccines work, but they don't work, but they do work, but you can still get it and you can still transmit it and you can still go to the hospital and you can still die. But if you keep the mask on, then the chance of the vaccine working is a little bit higher, but only if you're around other vaccinated people, because with those people, none of them are going to have the the uh, the worst case scenario, right? They're not going to go to the hospital with a uh, a severe case or die. And they're not going to transmit it the same. They can't, no, no, no. They can transmit it. Hold on. I have to remember what they said. Uh, they said that if you are vaccinated, you are going to have a reduced chance of severe illness if you still get the disease. Okay. All right. All right. That's what it is. Yeah. And you're not going to die. Well, I mean, you're probably not going to die. Okay. You are uh, less likely to die. Let's say we're not sure yet. Actually, the data, uh, the data is mixed. Okay. So if you go beyond the first data they gave us, then it all right. There's a lot of people who are dying who are vaccinated. It's true. Um, and most of the people getting sick and ending up in the hospital now are vaccinated. But, you know, the vaccine is very safe and effective. That's what they said right from the very beginning. And nothing has changed. Now, it's very, very strange that people who will admit that they know the media sometimes lies. They know the media sometimes has its own motivations and they know the media sometimes serves higher masters, let's say, still will not believe that the media lies to them. What really happens, what the real problem is in this world is misinformation and misinformation happens when the no-no people don't believe the media's story and instead go out and find other answers and then spread those answers and convince other people that those answers are actually the right ones and not the media's answers. That's how misinformation spreads. Now, to make sure that misinformation doesn't spread, we need to defend the mainstream media, the central narrative, because while they may have their own motivations and they may serve higher masters, ultimately, it is important that we preserve the first story we're told because there has to be some grain of truth in there or else the media just wouldn't say it not to us right we're the people who are out there influencing we're the ones with the big followings on the internet we're the ones that went to expensive colleges we're the ones that work for companies that have really tastefully designed logos we're the sort of people that the sort of people who make the decisions in the world think are 
important customers. <laughs> I couldn't even get all the way through it, man. That's crazy. That's really what it is. Honestly, all these people who work for these cute little companies like the Lululemons of the world, right? Like they find all these little corporations and they're like, oh, that's perfect branding. <laughs> Let's make sure that they all love it. And then they just do PR and advertise to you until you're like, I love Lululemon. Lululemon just has a funny name that I like. That's why I make fun of them. I don't actually know what their products are like, but I do know the sorts of people who like buying their products and those people. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry if you love Lululemon products. I'm really just talking shit. I think I'm right though. I could be wrong. I'm open to it, but I think I'm right. So what we have is a society that is waking up to the truth of how the world actually operates. And we are continuously beset on all sides and thwarted by people who are certain that the first thing they heard about a situation they know nothing about must be true. It must be. Why would we ever go further on? Why would we ever figure out the truth? There are still people that will argue to you right now that Trump colluded with Russia. And even if it is proven to them over and over and over and over again, that actually Hillary Clinton's campaign set that entire thing up. They'll be like, yeah, but what about Cambridge Analytica? Okay, Kami. Tell me about Cambridge Analytica. What do you got? You got a backup story? The first thing you were told crumbled into dust so profusely that you have to find a backup story. That's what you needed. Now, if you're the kind of person who is beginning to get insulted by the fact that you are continually being pressured to convince yourself that lies are the truth and then take those lies and repeat them as truth to other people and then defend them and defend them with the whole of your person because you have been taught to identify yourself with all of these lies. Maybe it's time for you to just take Final step, let it all go. Okay? Let it all go. You don't need it. You're going to realize, wow, I was really dumb. And again, just to mention, I'm one of those people, guys. Five years ago, I was not saying this stuff. Okay? I mean, I wasn't like a woke social justice warrior or anything either. I mean, come on. I think you know me better than that. But I was wrong about all this stuff. I thought the news must be right. It's not. Okay. So let go. Let go. And migrate back to America where the actual Americans out here on the range, all of us, will accept you. We will embrace you with open arms. We are going to be happy to see you. We're going to be happy to know that you have decided to rejoin the American project. You've ventured out to the range to join us in our land of freedom, where things are a little more dangerous, but also a little more exciting. And you don't have to feel bad all the time because you're not constantly lying to everyone. It's kind of a really nice advantage. 
Life's a little harder over here, but you don't have to lie all the time. Feels pretty good. All you got to do is make amends to all the people you were awful to, and then just get rid of all those stupid and evil child-brained communist ideas that are rattling around inside your head like so many coins in a can of a guitar player in the subway station. That's what it's like in your brain. I know it, Kami. I know. Come on back. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Tuesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies! Welcome back to America, commies. Hang out, get through this hour, and then maybe an hour tomorrow, an hour on Thursday, hour on Friday. You hang around for a little little while next week. I bet by the middle of next week, you'll be like, oh, wow, how did I believe any of this stuff? I cannot believe what's happening in the world right now. That's what you're going to think. And it's going to feel good. You'll be a little scared. It's all going to be new, all going to be interesting. Oh, it feels a little dangerous out here. Yeah, that's because you don't have your security blanket on anymore, Kami. Communism in America is a security blanket for child-brained humans. And your brain is going to grow to its full adult size, which will allow it to fill with all sorts of new information, which you will suddenly know as truth. And it'll also fill with all sorts of thoughts like, oh my God, what does this mean about everything else I believe? You got to embrace the feeling. That's the thing. And once you do, things start getting better. So yesterday, Facebook crashed for like six, seven hours. And with it went WhatsApp and Instagram and, you know, whatever else. I don't use Facebook products anymore. Thank goodness. Now, people have had a lot of theories about why this happened. Okay. And what I want to make sure that we all understand is that whatever theories the mainstream media tells us about what happened are almost definitely false intentionally. Okay. Facebook owns all of our data. And by the way, yesterday, apparently there was a breach and hackers offered up for sale on the internet the personal information of 1.5 billion users. That became the third most interesting story about Facebook yesterday. The first, in terms of the central narrative, is this angry lady, uh, Frances Hagen, who someone in my chat mentioned looks like Woody Harrelson, and that's hilarious. And now she's, now she's testifying before the Senate. We're going to hear from her a little bit later. But that was number uh, one, according to the media. I think that might be actually number three, because that story is obviously nonsense. And Facebook crashing was definitely number one. So obviously, 24 hours later, we're going to start getting some stories about what really happened. And what really happened was definitely not Facebook destroying evidence. We will never find out that was the case. Now, again, I'm not saying it is. I'm kind of being lighthearted here. It totally, totally could be, though. Why did Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger go down yesterday? Bungled server update led to a global outage that lasted almost seven hours. 
as experts warn foul play, quote, can't be ruled out. That is a headline. All of that was a headline. That's from the Daily Mail. Okay. When they give you an answer and say it also might be something else in the same headline, that's a pretty good indicator that you're about to read some fake news. So let's have a look. Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp were all brought down for almost seven hours yesterday in a massive global outage. Problems began around 1645 BST. Who knows where that is? (laughs) leaving users unable to access three platforms as well as Facebook Messenger and Oculus for the rest of the evening. Facebook, which owns all the services, has blamed the outage on a bungled server update and insists it was not an attack from outside the company. Oh, well, that's very interesting. So it was coming from inside the company. But nonetheless, we're also told that foul play can't be ruled out. So that's interesting. The U.S. tech giant said the problem was caused by a faulty update that was sent to its core servers, which effectively disconnected them from the Internet. But what exactly went wrong and why did it take almost seven hours to fix? Here is Mail Online's breakdown of the issue. And they have like a very fancy graphic. Why did Facebook go offline? Facebook issued a statement saying the cause of the problem was a configuration change to the company's backbone routers, which coordinate network traffic between the tech giant's data centers. This disruption to network traffic had a cascading effect on the way our data centers communicate, bringing our services to a halt, the statement said. Web security firm Cloudflare offered more details about what happened, revealing that Facebook had effectively vanished from the Internet. The social media company made a series of updates to its border gateway protocol. Cloudflare's chief technology officer, John Graham Cunningham, said, causing it to disappear. The BGP allows for the exchange of routing information on the internet and takes people to websites they want to access. It is essentially a roadmap that transports you to the location of each website known as the domain name system or its IP address. As a consequence of the BGP problems, it meant DNS resolvers all over the world stopped resolving their domain names. Why were Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger also down? It wasn't just Facebook that went offline. Its associated services, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger were affected too. Some people also reported issues with Facebook's virtual reality headset platform, Oculus. This is because the tech giant has a centralized single backend for all of its products. Facebook runs its own systems through the same servers, meaning everything needed to fix the problem. From digital engineering tools to messaging services, even key fob door locks was also taken offline. Matthew Hodgson, co-founder and CEO of Element, and technical co-founder of Matrix, said the outage illustrated the advantage of having a, quote, more reliable, end quote, decentralized system that doesn't put all the eggs in one basket. There's no single point of failure, so they can withstand significant disruption and still keep people and businesses communicating, he added. Skipping down a bit. Could it have been a cyber attack? Interestingly, Facebook's statement is carefully written and doesn't rule out foul play. Oh, wow. Carefully written, eh? (laughs) Why would it be carefully written? Oh, because they don't want to tell you what actually happened. And by the way, as a private business, I probably wouldn't either. But we're still going to find out. That being said, the chances of it being an external cyber attack seem unlikely. 
A massive denial of service hack that could overwhelm one of the world's most popular sites would require either coordination among powerful criminal groups or a very innovative technique. Sabotage by an insider, however, would be theoretically possible, according to tech experts. What's also eye-opening is that the outage hampered Facebook's ability to address the problem because it took down internal tools needed to fix it. This meant the issue lasted for nearly seven hours, which is highly unusual. It compounded a difficult week for Facebook, which has faced accusations of easing up on efforts to stop misinformation, allowing hate to be magnified on its platforms and being aware that Instagram can harm teenage girls' mental health. Hey, Daily Mail, Facebook and Instagram harm everyone's mental health, okay? Besides harvesting your own personal data and tracking you, harming your mental health is the next most important aspect of what Facebook does. It exists to harm your mental health. It exists to make you feel that there are deficits in your life that you can remedy by getting more attention and buying more stuff. What could possibly be more obvious then that legacy social media companies are so good at harming mental health that you have no other possible conclusion to draw other than they are designed specifically for that purpose. And of course they are. They can change your mood throughout the day based on what the algorithm shows you. How is it possible to consider anything other then the idea that these are absolutely created to harm your mental health. They are literally created to influence how you feel. Okay. Any other scenario, if a person was there in place of Facebook, you would notice that that person is emotionally abusive. That is literally what Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are doing to you. They are creating scenarios for you to be emotionally abused by other people as well. That is what these sites exist for. Anytime you step off the beaten path, anytime you refuse to accept the first answer you're told, you will be emotionally abused by all the communists they show your content to. Okay? The idea that censorship is the main issue or that shadow banning is the main issue. These are all main issues. Okay. It is as important who they show your stuff to as who they choose not to show your stuff to. Okay. They don't want to show anything true to redeemable communists who could be convinced by seeing true things. They would much rather show truth to died in the wool communists who are more than happy to attack you because that's what they like to do. They get some sick, deranged pleasure out of it. And those people will attempt to hammer you into submission until you silence yourself. If you don't silence yourself, then the platform will eventually silence you. That's kind of how it works, but they want you to be emotionally abused first. This is not some mystery. In fact, 
you know, I don't believe the Facebook whistleblower at all. I don't think that she is a real whistleblower. I don't trust her motivations. And everything she is saying indicates that she is in support of the censorship regime. But she is nonetheless right about the fact that mental health declines as a factor of remaining on these sites. These apps harm everyone's mental health. Okay. And by the way, it's not just truth tellers and truth seekers who are being harmed in their mental health. The biggest influencers on Instagram and Facebook are also some of the most insane people you could ever cross paths with. They're complete and total narcissists. Their narcissism is fed by the platforms intentionally to give them good attention when they are saying the right things. That's how that works. The platforms, Facebook and Instagram in particular, will send out information every few weeks to the people who manage celebrities' social media and influencer social media. They, they call them their media partners. And these emails will tell you how to use the platform to maximize your exposure, engagement, and attention, okay? The influencers and the content creators you see are making that stuff because the platforms tell them to, okay? They are incentivized to do what the platforms want, and the incentive is sometimes money, but it's often just attention and approval, okay? These people are addicted to good feedback as much as they are to actually monetizing. It's the narcissism. It's the attention. It's the approval. These people yearn for the approval of strangers. It is more important to them than anything else in the world. And I'm not overstating this, by the way. People are like, oh, well, you're just coming down on, on influencers. No, I'm not. Watch their behavior. You tell me what their priority is. You can discern it for yourself. I'm not making this up. I used to work in social media. I used to read these emails. It's exactly what it is. Okay. So they get positive reinforcement for saying the right things. They get emotional abuse for saying the wrong things. So they turn themselves into a person that is only ever saying the right things and only ever doing it for attention. What do you think that does to your personality, to your character, to your sense of right and wrong, to your sense of truth and falsehood? It does exactly what they want it to do. They know what the platform is capable of. We don't need this whistleblower out there telling us any of this. This is all stuff we have known, which is even further proof that this whistleblower is not a whistleblower at all. Back to the article. The disruption also occurred just 24 hours after a former Facebook employee gave an interview to CBS News after leaking documents about the social network. Whistleblower Francis Hogan who is scheduled to testify before a Senate subcommittee today, said the company had prioritized growth over safety. Ooh. Facebook insisted it was just not true to suggest the company encouraged bad content or did nothing in response. Cybersecurity specialist Jake Moore said, it is quite interesting that Facebook's statement has not ruled out foul play. Like the locks on a bank safe, the money inside is only as secure as the person with the keys. Cybersecurity is as much about a company's own internal security procedures as it is about fending off outsider attacks. 
He reiterated that it was not due to an external cyber attack because web blackouts more often originate from an undiscovered software bug or human error. Oh, well, that sounds like no big deal. So was it a mistake by someone within Facebook? There's every chance it could have been an accident rather than an intentional act of sabotage. It has been claimed that a Facebook staff member may have accidentally deleted large sections of the code, which keeps the website online. Facebook said its engineering team had identified configuration changes to its backbone routers that brought its services to a halt. The company said these changes caused the disruption to network traffic and blocked communication between its data centers. Employees' work passes and email were also reportedly affected by the internal issue. And the rest of the article is just more boring fluff reporting about how it took so long to resolve the issue and how much it cost. Apparently, Mark Zuckerberg lost like $6.7 billion of his uh, net worth for a time. I'm sure that Facebook stock will go right back up and then everything will be just fine for Mark Zuckerberg. Or it won't. And that'll be awesome too. And why does Mark Zuckerberg deserve to lose everything he owns? Well, because he helped steal an election. And hopefully, if... Trump's executive order 13848 was put into effect as Colonel Phil Waldron mentioned at the cyber symposium. Mark Zuckerberg's entire company and fortune are absolutely eligible at any moment to be seized by the U.S. government. Again, that would be wonderful. Take it all. Take Facebook, take Google, take Twitter, take Amazon. Take all of the tech companies that aided our foreign adversaries in the theft of the 2020 election. And they all did. And it's all proven. Okay. It's easily provable in court. And we all know it to be true. Everybody knows it to be true. What could be more obvious than Mark Zuckerberg investing $500 million to steal the election in ways that like puff pieces on Mark Zuckerberg have described. Amazon took down Parler. Twitter censors speech on behalf of the federal and state governments and its allies in the Democrat Communist Party and the Uniparty. What was the other one I mentioned? Oh, Google, come on. But consider what the Daily Mail just gave you. You have, after listening to me read that story, you still have absolutely no idea of what actually happened. They gave you two or three possible conclusions, although it could have been something else. It could have been a cyber attack. It could have happened from the inside. It could have been human error. Somebody might've just hit the wrong key and Facebook fell apart and it cost Mark Zuckerberg a zillion billion dollars. You don't know anything more but you were given the illusion of knowledge so that when an actual story might come up in a week or two weeks or three weeks or, you know, six months, you won't believe it because you already feel like that Facebook story. I know what happened. And this is acceptable to people. A lot of people simply don't care what happened, even though they're on Instagram all day or Facebook or WhatsApp could go down at any time. Your business is reliant on these platforms. Well, your business could go down at any time. I got banned off it. I know how much it hurts to have that happen. 
That's why you need to move to non-legacy platforms so you're a little more fortified. But there's no answer in that entire article about what actually happened or about what it'll actually mean to you. It's just there to convince you that that issue is all said and done. Now, focus back on the whistleblower and whatever you do, don't ask any questions about that whole hack, that whole data breach that exposed 1.5 billion users. But let's check in with the very brave whistleblower who whistle blew on 60 minutes and didn't actually take evidence to project Veritas or anything like that. And it's weird. When did 60 minutes, did they, uh, did they interview Zach Voris, who's an actual whistleblower at Google? Did they interview Ryan Hartwig, who is an actual whistleblower at Facebook? No, but you know what? Francis Hagen The whistleblower who has told us absolutely nothing new is 24-7 coverage. First thing on CNN's website, they have a big red banner at the top. Ooh, watch her testimony live. And they have like 10 different links to articles and videos about her right in the top left corner of their page. CNN believes the Facebook whistleblower is the big story of the day. But let's see what this hero has to say. Very scary future. And I see some evidence of of that as to so many parents um, on a a regular basis. Are are there other specific issues of significant consequence that the general public may not be fully aware of that are impacting um, vulnerable groups that you'd just like to elevate uh, during this Uh, testimony? One of the things that's hard... Uh, for people who don't look at the data of social networks every day, it's of harms or just of usage. That There are these things called power laws. It means that a small number of users are extremely intensely engaged on any given topic, and most people are just lightly engaged. When you look at things like misinformation, Facebook knows that the people who are exposed to the most misinformation are people who are recently widowed, divorced, moved to a new city, Um, are isolated in some other way. Um, When I worked on civic misinformation, we discussed the idea of the misinformation burden, like the idea that when people are exposed to ideas that are not true over and over again, it erodes their ability to to connect with the community at large because they no longer adhere to facts that are consensus reality. Um, The fact that Facebook knows that its most vulnerable users, people who recently widowed, like that they're isolated, that that the systems that are meant to keep them safe, like demoting misinformation, stop working when people look at 2,000 posts a day, right? And I just, it it breaks my heart, the idea that, that these rabbit holes would suck people down and then make it hard to connect with others. So if you had any doubt about how heroic Francis Hagen is, for sure now you are convinced. You know that she is just looking out for the widows out there. She's looking out for all the people who are dejected and lonely. They've had a life change and they just can't cope with it. So now they're seeing way too much content during the day and they're going down rabbit holes. They will never return. They are going to be unable to accept facts that make up consensus reality. Like, for instance, that vaccines work. 
and that vaccines are very safe and effective and that vaccines can prevent you from getting the coronavirus, or at least they can prevent you from experiencing serious illness or death. They used to be able to prevent getting or transmitting coronavirus. That was the, you know, the initial thing that was a consensus reality. And then it just turns out that consensus reality shifts. You can't do that. Consensus reality says that masks work, although really only if you wear two of them, but really not even if you wear any of them. All of these things have constituted consensus reality in the mind of someone like Francis Hogan, who, by the way, is a uh, leftist activist and uh, donor. And she's being advised by Bill Burton, who is an Obama crony. That's what's happening right now. This woman is not a legitimate whistleblower, but consider what she's saying about misinformation. Again, all of this is meant to lead toward increased censorship. And Facebook has now released a statement. This is from Director of Policy Communications, Lena Peach, I guess. Today, a Senate Commerce subcommittee held a hearing with a former product manager at Facebook who worked for the company for less than two years, had no direct reports, never attended a decision point meeting with C-level executives, and testified more than six times to not working on the subject matter in question, Peach said. We don't agree with her characterization of the many issues she testified about. Despite all this, we agree on one thing. It's time to begin to create standard rules for the internet. It's been 25 years since the rules for the internet have been updated. And instead of expecting the industry to make societal decisions that belong to legislators, it is time for the Congress to act. Isn't it perfect? Isn't it perfect? They have this whistleblower who delivered zero new information Encourage more censorship. Facebook, while disavowing the whistleblower's claims about wrongdoing, agrees that we need more censorship and is encouraging a corrupted and illegitimate Congress to set the new rules for censorship. Meanwhile, the media covers up the Facebook outage and whatever reason that occurred and they cover up the data breach that exposed the private information of 1.5 billion users. How convenient. But sure, let's all applaud the very, very brave whistleblower. Moving right along. Okay, so on Friday, we talked about the letter sent by the National School Board Association to fake president Joe Biden encouraging the illegitimate administration to use all of the power it can muster to make sure that parents are no longer allowed to attend school board meetings and no longer allowed to film what happens in school board meetings so that George Soros's funded school board members can continue to infiltrate the nation's school boards and brainwash the nation's children with pernicious communist ideas. Naturally, there is nothing the fake administration likes more than opportunities to have someone else ask them 
for more authoritarianism. So naturally, the communist Merrick Garland, who is pretending to be the attorney general, is happy to comply. He replied to the National School Board Association on behalf of the Department of Justice. In recent months, there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools. While spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our Constitution, that protect that protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. Okay. I read the entirety of the National School Board Association's letter in the episode on Friday. And their examples of violence, threats, and intimidation were utter nonsense. Absolute nonsense, okay? None of what they are calling violence, threats, and intimidation seems to be any of those things. It is just parents who show up at school board meetings upset that their children are being either physically abused or emotionally abused by being forced to wear masks and all this other nonsense, or they are being turned into little communist drones on behalf of the state by being taught critical race theory and other commie trash. Back to the letter. Threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. Those who dedicate their time and energy to ensuring that our children receive a proper education in a safe environment deserve to be able to do their work without fear for their safety. Okay. If there are any threats, any illegal activities happening anywhere in the country, there are also police departments in all of these places, and that would be the proper venue to address these concerns. Instead, the National School Board Association pretended that all of these threats were somehow related to interstate commerce so that they could involve the federal government. And of course, Merrick Garland is more than happy to call more people domestic terrorists. The department takes these threats seriously and is committed to using its authority and resources to discourage these threats, identify them when they occur and prosecute them when appropriate. In the coming days, the department will announce a series of measures designed to address the rise in criminal conduct directed towards school personnel. Again, there has not been any criminal conduct. One man was arrested for something they referred to as aggravated battery, but so far that is not it. And it did not sound like whatever he did was premeditated, planned, or meant to harass or intimidate. It sounded like he was just being physically restrained and removed and may have fought back. Coordination and partnership with local law enforcement is critical to implementing these measures for the benefit of our nation's nearly 14,000 public school districts. To this end, I am directing the Federal Bureau of Investigation, working with each United States attorney to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each federal judicial district within 30 days of the issuance of this memorandum. These meetings will facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators 
administrators, board members, teachers and staff and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment and response. The department is steadfast in its commitment to protect all people in the United States from violence, threats of violence and other forms of intimidation and harassment. I wonder when Merrick Garland is going to investigate Merrick Garland for threats, intimidation and harassment. All right, because I imagine that normal American parents are probably get getting a little sick of being told that they are domestic terrorists. I imagine that American citizens who would like their votes to count and would like to know why stealing an election is not a problem would be happy to stop facing threats, intimidation, and harassment, being called domestic terrorists because they want to say those things out loud. Hey, Merrick Garland, maybe you can see what's up with Antifa and hold them accountable for threats, intimidation, and harassment. And while you're at it, why don't you look into the social media companies who censor us for constitutionally protected political speech? Why don't you see what's up with the big tech companies and their threats, intimidation and harassment. That would be Merrick Garland doing his job, except Merrick Garland is a communist and he doesn't care about what his job actually is. His real job is supporting the communist state. Okay. Changing subjects without a segue. Last night, Project Veritas released another video that is just absolutely obliterating Big Pharma. This might have been the most powerful one of these in this series so far. This is three different scientists at Pfizer talking about how natural immunity is better than the immunity that the vaccine, in quotes, can give you. They also clearly know about the dangers. One of them admitted slash revealed that Pfizer is currently testing 3000 samples right now to find out how serious the prevalence of instances of myocarditis from the vaccine actually are. Now, that should be relatively shocking information. One of the really interesting things about this is that We've seen all this stuff in studies, in reports, and even within Pfizer's own documentation. But the places we don't see it are in the news and from our quote unquote public health officials, namely Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and the CDC director, uh, Rochelle Walensky. Last night, maybe coincidentally, maybe not, it was announced that Francis Collins the director of the NIH and ostensibly Anthony Fauci's boss was stepping down from his role as an NIH director. He has served in that position for 12 years and he put out a statement. And this is from the NIH website. It has been an incredible privilege to lead this great agency for more than a decade. I love this agency and its people so deeply that the decision to step down was a difficult one done in close counsel with my wife, Diane Baker and my family. And thank goodness he let us all know his wife's name. 
I'm proud of all we've accomplished. I fundamentally believe, however, that no single person should serve in the position too long and that it's time to bring in a new scientist to lead the NIH into the future. I'm most grateful and proud of the NIH staff and the scientific community whose extraordinary commitment to life-saving research delivers hope to the American people and the world every day. What a statement. You know, it's interesting, these resignations, someone who is this prominent, if they were leaving at the top of their game, I think they would deliver a different statement. This would be a little more uh, celebratory than it is. The only reason he gave for leaving is that he has a principled viewpoint that no one should serve in that position for too long. So he is leaving in the middle of a very deadly global pandemic. Can you believe it? What are we going to do without Francis Collins in fighting the very deadly pandemic? I mean, this is his time to shine. Anthony Fauci just came out last week. He was being interviewed by Hugh Hewitt and Hugh Hewitt seems like, you know, a normal uniparty communist media figure. And he asked him, if maybe it wasn't a good idea to give someone else a shot because most of the country had tuned Fauci out. And he says this while still largely supporting vaccination, which is how you know he's a uniparty communist. Fauci said, no way. There's no way. Everybody still believes me. (laughs) Essentially, he said that. Francis Collins is now ducking out and it just happens to coincide with Pfizer kind of getting the doors blown off it. Uh, James O'Keefe from Project Veritas has another whistleblower coming out tomorrow night, Wednesday night, who actually works for Pfizer and is whistleblowing and has the documentation. It's not one of the kind of hidden camera videos like last night's was. This is just a straight up legitimate whistleblower and not like the Facebook whistleblower, a real whistleblower who is actually putting something on the line for the people. If this Pfizer whistleblower was like the Facebook whistleblower, she would probably come out and be like, Pfizer's hiding the documentation about how much safer the vaccines are than we thought. (laughs) They don't want to tell anybody because they're worried about the vaccine supply. But the truth is the vaccine is so safe and so effective that you actually need seven of them. And Pfizer doesn't want you to know. So I'm whistleblowing. Call me a hero. So Francis Collins seems to be escaping at the right time. And obviously, I have no idea whether or not this will happen. But sometimes these resignations are done so that the person is kind of out of the picture when something damning actually comes out, because then people will be like, yeah, well, he's not there anymore. So he's not a real problem. We can just uh, let that go. We'll forget about that. I'm sure the law will take care of it and we can just move on from here. That's what people are programmed to do. We'll see if that happens. Anthony Fauci ended up actually coming back yesterday and flip-flopping about what he said on whether or not people could celebrate Christmas as normal with their families. Apparently in the 24 hours since he had said that on Sunday, he realized how upset people got with him. And so the science changed. It was magical, honestly. It is always magical whenever Anthony Fauci 
realizes that people are upset. And so he needs to change the science, which he has the right to do, by the way, because Anthony Fauci is the science. He is the oracle of the science. He goes up on Mount Science and brings down the science on stone tablets and delivers it to uh, usually uh, Jake Tapper or Dana Bash or Chuck Todd. They are the best people who are able to translate the Oracle's words so that all of us can understand the science, because otherwise the science is too complicated. The National Pulse had a great piece out this morning, six scandals the media won't tell you about outgoing NIH director Francis Collins. Francis Collins, director of the U.S. National Institutes for Health and one of the leading public voices during the COVID-19 pandemic, will step down from his role following a number of investigative reports into Collins and his underlings. Appointed by President Obama in 2009, Collins issued a statement this week saying, I fundamentally believe that no single person should serve in the position too long and that it's time to bring in a new scientist to lead the NIH into the future. But it is unlikely Collins' belief in a revolving door at the NIH that has prompted the move. Rather, with pressure mounting on key public figures such as his minion, Anthony Fauci, and arm's length brother in arms, Peter Daszak, it is worth looking at what the media won't be saying about Collins this week. National Pulse has reported the following. Francis Collins advises Chinese military proxy linked group working alongside COVID-19 gene storage firm. Oh, so it's uh, not just about the revolving door. National Institutes of Health Director Dr. Francis Collins serves on the advisory board of a conference sponsored by a Chinese military-linked uh, genomics firm, the D.C.-based and health industry bigwig and boss to Anthony Fauci has even referred to the controversial company's founder as a friend. BGI Genomics has been flagged by U.S. intelligence officials for its robust efforts to, quote, collect, store and exploit biometric information, end quote, on American citizens through COVID-19 test kits. According to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the firm has deep ties to both the Chinese Communist Party and its military. Two, Collins admits funding Wuhan lab. We had no control over what they were doing. Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the National Institute for Health, appears to have directly contradicted his underling Anthony Fauci in a bombshell moment from an interview with Hugh Hewitt. The revelations further implicate those who approved U.S. grants to the lab and the EcoHealth Alliance run by the British-born Peter Daszak, who the National Pulse first reported on back in February. Number three, evidence. Fauci's bosses signed research deals with the Chinese communist military. Under the leadership of Dr. Francis Collins, who recently admitted that the U.S. had, quote, no control, end quote, over the Wuhan lab despite funding it, the U.S. National Institutes of Health signed a Memorandum of Understanding to boost collaboration with a Chinese Communist Party-run scientific organization funding the People's Liberation Army. The National Natural Science Foundation of China has also funded several studies conducted by the Wuhan Institute of Virology, including research focused on bat coronaviruses alongside U.S.-based research groups such as the Anthony Fauci-funded EcoHealth Alliance. Four, investigation. U.S. has funded over 250 studies for Chinese communist military researchers. 
various National Institutes of Health agencies, including Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, have funded over 250 studies authored by researchers at institutions controlled by China's People's Liberation Army. Following a unique investigation into the origins of scientific research papers, the whopping level of collaboration with the Chinese military will cause further concerns in the United States that the political class has surrendered to the Chinese Communist Party. Last week, it emerged that the ranking general in the U.S. armed forces agreed to tip off China in advance of a U.S.-led attack. Number five, America has given millions for research at Chinese Communist-run facilities since the COVID outbreak. The U.S. National Institutes of Health has continued to funnel millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars to fund scientific research in conjunction with communist China since the beginning of the COVID pandemic, including to military controlled organizations. Over half of the grants sent since early 2020 came from Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And number six, U.S. National Institutes of Health fires 54 researchers as ongoing investigation reveals 93 percent failed to disclose links to the Chinese Communist Party. The National Institutes of Health, the foremost research institute under the auspices of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, has investigated 189 researchers for undisclosed ties to foreign countries, 93% of which were linked to China. The fresh round of terminations resulted from an ongoing investigation at the taxpayer-funded National Institutes of Health into the failure of grant recipients to disclose financial ties to foreign governments. In reality, accountability in a post-COVID era is what likely shuffled Francis Collins off of his otherwise immortal coil at the top of the NIH. Not that the corporate media would ever tell you any of that. And that's a great point. All right. This paints a pretty clear picture of who Francis Collins actually is. Francis Collins actually is a traitor to the United States of America who was placed into office by another traitor to the United States of America, Barack Hussein Obama. And Francis Collins has done virtually nothing in his role as director of the NIH except give American taxpayer money to our adversaries and fund research that has led to the deaths of millions and millions of humans. This person is evil. And that's obvious. And he's pretending that he is just so humble that he thinks someone else should go ahead and lead the agency for a while. Now, I want to highlight one last story before I go, and this is from uh, an outlet called The Score, which is a sports outlet and app. This is about basketball player Andrew Wiggins of the Golden State Warriors. The headline is, Options were get vaccinated or not play in the NBA. And this is by a man named uh, Michael J. Chandler. And The Score, by the way, is very similar to ESPN in the fact that they are both straight up woke commie sports organizations. Golden State Warriors wing Andrew Wiggins said his choice about whether to get vaccinated for COVID-19 became a straightforward one in spite of his personal beliefs. I feel like my only option was to get vaccinated or not play in the NBA, Wiggins told the Athletics Anthony Slater on Monday. Wiggins was hesitant to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. The failure to do so would have prohibited him from participating in Warriors home games and practices due to local mandates in San Francisco. 
the 26-year-old applied for a religious exemption, which the league denied. It was a tough decision. Hopefully in 10 years, it works out and I'm still healthy, Wiggins said. That is, man, I feel really bad for this guy. That, that is not something someone should have to think about to keep their job, especially a job that exists in what is supposed to be a pure meritocracy. Like his job exists because he's good at what he does. If he was bad at what he does, he wouldn't have the job. Warriors head coach Steve Kerr confirmed Sunday that Wiggins got vaccinated and is eligible to play in the Warriors home opener versus the Los Angeles Lakers on October 19th. By the way, this is very disappointing for me as a lifelong Bulls fan. Steve Kerr used to have a really uh, great role as a truly clutch point guard and shooter in the second three championships that the Bulls won while Michael Jordan was still in town, the three after his brief retirement. But Steve Kerr has turned into a raging communist, like one of the wokest guys in professional sports. It's pathetic. It's not something I wanted to do, but I was kind of forced into it. I guess to do certain stuff and to work, you don't own your own body. Hopefully there's people who are stronger than me and keep fighting for what they believe in. Wiggins added that is so sad and so depressing. The NBA announced last week that individuals unable to play in home markets with local vaccine mandates like San Francisco and New York city will forfeit their pay for games missed Wiggins who's entering the fourth year of a five-year $147 million deal would have forfeited $15.8 million in salary this season as a result. I had COVID before and it wasn't too bad, Wiggins said. A couple of years ago, I had an allergic reaction to something. It was a scary moment and I carry an EpiPen now. I know a lot of people get reactions or injuries from getting the vaccination. Also, I don't know what it's going to do to me in 10 years in terms of gene damage. He added, there are no studies on whether or not it's going to cause cancerous cells, so I don't know what the vaccine is going to do to my body. No one in my family is vaccinated. It's not really something we believe in. I didn't want to get the vaccination. It's not something I wanted to do. God, man, the NBA has re reached a 95% vaccination standard for its players last Thursday, which represents an increase since training camps opened. Sources told ESPN's Adrian uh, Wojnarowski. Wojnarowski, by the way, is another pure dyed in the wool communist who literally protects communist China in his work. But this is absolutely awful. Okay. This is a young black man who's being forced to participate in a medical experiment against his will or forfeit. $16 million and perhaps his role and perhaps his job. The communist Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks is making all his players and all the Dallas Mavericks staff do this as well. These people are absolutely insane. And Wiggins said it. Apparently I don't own my own body. I can't choose what happens to my body in any other situation in this society, even these woke assholes like Steve Kerr and Mark Cuban would be 
calling out everyone for forcing a black man to give away his bodily autonomy in favor of corporate demands. But apparently, too much pressure from China, too much pressure from Big Pharma, too much pressure from woke corporate fascist America. And that is fascism. He was just forced to take part in a medical experiment. And he did it on behalf of his family, most likely. He wanted that money to come in so the rest of his family was going to be protected. And the people enforcing this are the very same people who have been harping on the NFL for years and forcing the NFL to comply with certain brands of communism by saying that they're going to make it so that the NFL can't have their games anymore. And they're doing so because of concussions. So they need to protect football players from concussions, even though football players know what they're signing up for. But they don't need to protect NBA players from the results of a vaccine while none of them can possibly know what they're signing up for because there is no long-term understanding of what they're signing up for. And this, we are told, is somehow, right? Eventually it all works together. So somehow this vaccination is anti-racist, right? That's what we got to believe. And I guarantee you the root or some other racist outlet has totally written an article about how it's racist to not get vaccinated because black and brown people get COVID the worst or something like that. That's where we are. And you know what would have prevented this sort of thing? All those very smart, very important, very busy and very influential people not believing every goddamn thing they're told because they read one article once that was as clear and concise as the Daily Mail article I read to you earlier. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter 
at I'm Your Moderator. The Substack is I'm Your Moderator and the merch site is CancelCouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!